feel like you could be experiencing a quarter-life crisis or quarter-life confusion, as I like to call it, then Love My Quarter Life might just be the podcast you've been waiting for. The weekly episodes offer you digestible, actionable, and relatable guidance to help you navigate the oh-so-common challenges that our quarter lives throw at us. So if you're in your 20s or 30s and feeling stuck, confused, lost, and unfulfilled, then welcome to the club. You're not alone, you're in the right place, and I think you're gonna like it here. Enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to Love My Quarter Life, the podcast here to help 20 and 30-somethings to overcome the overwhelm of quarter life confusion. I'm Beth Schofield, your host and quarter life mentor, and I'm here to bring you guidance and support on your quarter life journey. We are going to dive straight into our topic today because there is a lot to get through. Now, this episode is probably the most practical and jam-packed episode that I've done since we started the podcast a couple of months ago, and it is full of hacks and habits and tips that I think all 20 and 30-somethings should implement into their lives. I've personally introduced all of these things gradually into my own life over the past couple of years, and they've all made a really big difference to my health and happiness and my growth, my productivity and my motivation. And so I want to share them with you all on this episode, because I think if you do decide just to implement even a couple of these ideas, then in 12 months time, your life will feel better you will feel better. You will feel more confident. You will feel more fulfilled, more productive. And so many areas of your life will have improved, including your relationships, your finances, your well-being, and your self-awareness, just to name a few. And guess what? None of these tips that I'm sharing has anything to do with getting eight hours sleep a night or eating a balanced diet or exercising four times a week or meditating or journaling or practicing gratitude. I feel like wherever I see blogs and articles and social media posts offering tips on how to improve life, they all just say the same thing. And yes, of course, exercise and sleep and healthy eating are absolutely important. But I think most of us in our quarter lives are very much aware of the importance of those things anyway, and we really do our best in those areas. The tips and the hacks and the habits that I'm sharing today are all quite different and cover a really broad spectrum, but I can honestly say that every single one of them has made a difference to my life. And collectively, implementing all of them every day or as regularly as they need to be, has improved my life massively. So I'm really excited to share them with you today, and we are going to dive straight in. All right, so I've categorized each of the items that I want to mention into the following categories. General life and well-being, confidence and personal growth, relationships and productivity. And we are going to cover general life and well-being first. So tip number one is to decide a word for the year. Now, this is a fun little initiative, which I started doing last year. I am doing it again this year, and I highly recommend you do it too. Your word of the year acts as your theme or your guide. It acts as a friendly reminder for how you want to show up and how you want your life to be this year. Some words that you could choose for words of the year or just some examples that I want to share with you are transform, 
adventure, growth, joy, focus, heal, connect, peace. Last year was the first time that I did this and my word last year was create. And I chose that word because I knew last year was when I wanted to launch my podcast and I was going to have to create a lot of things from scratch. I also wanted to create new opportunities for myself and have new friendships and new experiences because I felt like the year before I didn't really do enough of that kind of stuff. And I was really ready to get creative and bring more things into my life. Safe to say, I think I stuck by my word last year-ish. It was definitely always at the back of my mind and acted as a guide when I needed a bit of encouragement or help with decision making. And it was just a really helpful reminder for the intention that I had for last year. This year, interestingly enough, my word is balance. I almost created too much last year and things definitely felt a bit wobbly in the last few months of 2023. Now, when I was thinking about my word for 2024, nothing really came to mind immediately. So I thought about it for a while and I noticed that whenever I thought about it, the word balance kept on coming up, but I didn't really like it. I thought it was a bit boring, a bit underwhelming, and I wanted something with a bit more energy. But after a few attempts of thinking about something else, balance just kept on appearing in my brain. And so I've accepted that this is my word and I am coming to really love it now. And I've already used it a lot to help guide a couple of decisions and actions that I've had to make in the last kind of two weeks, you know, in the first two weeks of the year even. So having a word for the year is really, really powerful. It's a fun thing to do and I highly recommend it. So that is your first tip to get us started. All right, the second tip is to not watch the news. Now, this is a personal one for me, which has improved my emotional well-being enormously. You might love watching the news. It might be really important to you. It might not have you know, a really emotional or detrimental effect on you or your mental health. And if this is the case, just ignore this tip. But this is a change that I brought into my life two years ago, and it has made a massive difference. Prior to not watching the news, I was very invested in it. And when I say watch, I mean, obviously watch it on TV, but just engage in it in any way, like reading articles, clicking on websites, social media posts, etc. So I was always very curious and interested in what was going on in the world. And ever since I can remember, the news has been in my life. So morning news programs were on my um, you know, television in my house by default every single morning. Then the six o'clock news was on every single night. We had newspapers in the house. And because I'd always been around the news as a child, I brought it with me into adulthood as well. And I continued watching it on TV, watched those morning programs, followed news accounts on my phone. And a few years ago, interestingly enough, I started working at a company and a few of my colleagues were a bit older in their kind of early to mid 30s. And I found out that a couple of them didn't watch the news or didn't engage in the news anymore. And I thought initially, like that was quite an ignorant thing. And I thought it was really important to be aware of what was going on in the world. Now, fast forward five, six years, I'm also someone now who doesn't engage in the news. I don't watch it, I don't listen to it, I don't follow any social media accounts on the news. I've disabled news updates on my phone. And there are two main reasons why. First one is you just cannot trust things that are on the news. 
a lot of it is not reliable or it's drenched in political bias or it's completely catastrophized. It's actually a fact that headlines are created to make us feel fear. And that's because our brains are programmed to seek out fear to protect us. So if we see a headline that makes us feel scared or worried or nervous, then we are much more likely to click on it and read the rest of the article or listen to that news bulletin because our brains are pulled in so that they can find out more information which they think is going to keep us safe. The second reason is that the news is full of terrifying, devastating, shocking events which I personally can't do anything about. And before I stopped engaging in the news, I was so affected by stories that I was seeing. They would literally change my mood and impacted my well-being for that whole day. And I just couldn't get certain stories out of my head. The war in the Ukraine was a huge turning point for me on this. When Russia invaded the Ukraine, I was glued to the TV. I have friends in the Ukraine who were literally fleeing for their lives and it was devastating. And I was so upset and I was distracted from work and I decided that I needed to stop watching it. And I haven't watched it since, to be honest. And the thing is, is that I find out the things that I need to find out. So my partner will tell me if something really big and important has happened or I see friends or people I follow on social media posting things. So I can see that things are happening in the world. I have an awareness of general things that are going on. And if I see something that, you know, does interest me or I think I need to learn more about, I might go and look a bit further into it, click on some, you know, articles to learn a bit more. But generally speaking, I honestly do not know about the incidents that are occurring in the world every day. And my well-being is so much better because of that. So this tip is not for everyone. It's something that has worked for me very, very well. And if you have thought about not engaging in the news before or you also think that your mood and your emotional well-being could be being challenged by it then I really urge you to consider removing the news or at least reducing it in your life and I think that you will find this really helpful. All right the next habit that I want to mention is to put your phone on flight mode while you're asleep. There is nothing more distracting or disruptive than waking up in the middle of the night, checking the time on your phone and seeing notifications, WhatsApp messages and anything else that your phone might be doing, which you are just unable to ignore. So what happens is you open them up, you read what people are saying and then your brain is set off thinking about all sorts. It triggers anxiety and it prevents you from getting back to sleep. The only way to resolve this is to put your phone on flight mode as soon as you get into bed and don't remove it from flight mode until you are awake. This is so helpful. All right, the next tip is to listen to more podcasts. (laughs) Now, obviously, I know that you already listen to podcasts because you are listening to this one, but I wanted to give you a couple of recommendations for podcasts, which honestly make my life better every single day. So personal development podcasts that I love include Mel Robbins, Modern Wisdom by Chris Williamson, Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett. The Mindset Mentor is a really good one. He does really um, short snippets, like short and snappy episodes, which are really jam-packed with practical tips and strategies that you can implement. And I really love Happiness and Success with Lisa Marie Bobby as well. She talks about some really interesting stuff. And they give me so much inspiration and motivation. They help me find clarity and teach me such valuable lessons. So if you Google top personal development podcasts, 
tons and tons will come up and you can take a look at them and pick which ones you like the look of and give them a listen. There is so much value in listening to personal development podcasts. I can't tell you how much I've gained from them. But my absolute favorite podcast, which I listen to almost every day, is called Mamma Mia Out Loud. This is an Australian podcast, which is very well known in Australia, but it's massive over here. And it's been going for years, so it definitely has a global audience as well. And it's still relevant to people outside of Australia. So on Mamma Mia Out Loud, there are three female hosts who are journalists and writers. And on each episode, they discuss topics that women are talking about. So things that are going on in the world, articles that have been written, trends on social media. They cover politics, fashion, TV, celebrities, you name it. And they discuss really interesting and very recent topics in a very smart, intelligent, warm, feminist, charismatic and friendly and fun way as well, actually. And I mentioned earlier, I don't engage with the news, but Mamma Mia Out Loud is a really nice way to keep me informed about things that are happening in the world in a much more interesting way than if it was on the news. So yeah, I just love it. I first started listening to it a year and a half ago when I first came to Australia and I would honestly feel so lost without it now. So I recommend it to everybody that I speak to and I wanted to share it on this episode today. So if you only listen to podcasts once or twice a week at the moment, then I really urge you to increase that number. And I'm not saying that you should only listen to personal development or current affairs topics either. You know, I'm saying that I really love those. But if you love true crime or fashion or celebrities or dating, you know, whatever you have an interest in, you will find a podcast for and you can listen on your commute, listen when you're cleaning, when you're getting ready, going out on a walk, when you're driving. And they are just a really brilliant way to learn, to relax and to find inspiration and feel connected as well. The other thing to mention is that podcasts are such a good source of knowledge and information. So I was speaking to a friend the other day who told me that she's decided that this is going to be the year that she changes her career. She's just really ready for a switch in that area. She's ready to find a role and a career that is really fulfilling to her. She's a bit overwhelmed because she doesn't quite know where to start with that. And I said, there will be so many podcasts on that topic. And sure enough, she has gone off and she's found a couple that have been really, really helpful. So I honestly feel like whatever problem or challenge you are facing, if you kind of type that problem or the solution to the problem that you are looking for in a podcast search, like in Spotify or Apple, there will be so many episodes come up that will be helpful to you. So And this tip is to not only, you know, bring podcasts into your life more on a daily basis, but also use them to help you find clarity and answers to challenges that you are facing as well. Okay, so those are my life hacks and habits for improving life in general and well-being. And now I'm going to move on to confidence and personal growth. Okay, so the first tip in this area is to just get started. What I mean by this is if you have an idea for a project that you want to start or a new hobby or a side hustle and you're not starting it because you are stuck in analysis paralysis, you are trying to gather all of the information that you are preparing, you are researching, you are learning, you're basically doing everything except starting, then the biggest piece of advice I can give you is just to get started. 
Why? Because it is so much easier and so much more effective to figure things out along the way rather than trying to figure them out in advance. You don't know what challenges you are going to come across if you are standing on the sidelines. You only know those challenges when you get started. Now, I experienced this firsthand with launching this podcast. Do you know how much time passed between me having the idea for this podcast and actually launching it? It was over 18 months because I never felt ready. I wanted the cover art to be perfect. I wanted to have a live website. I wanted to have 10 episodes recorded up front. I wanted to do tons of market research. I wanted to learn about newsletters and lead magnets and trying to figure all of those things out before launching the podcast just kept me stuck. And I ended up launching the podcast with them anyway, because it got to the point where I had put it off and put it off for so long. And my frustration was going, my stress was growing. And I was listening to podcasts, which were telling me, you just need to start, you just need to start. And I wasn't listening to them. But then (laughs) eventually I did. And it is one thing that I really wish that I'd done differently in the process of launching Love My Quarter Life, because If I hadn't kept hesitating, if I hadn't kept telling myself, I need to figure that out first, I could have launched this podcast 12 months earlier. And now I would be 12 months and 50 episodes ahead of where I am now. And I would have learned so much more in that process. Yes, I would still have had to learn those things along the way, but I would have learned them alongside the podcast being live, which is what I'm doing anyway. So if you can relate to any of this and you're not starting something because you think you need more information or knowledge or experience, just start it. Jump in the pool instead of standing on the edge of the pool. (laughs) When you jump in, you are forced to figure it out. You are forced to see how things are done and you are experiencing and learning in real time. And you are always going to come up against obstacles and challenges and things that don't make sense but you are going to come up against those things regardless. So you may as well get started and figure them out along the way. And this will be so much quicker. Okay, next is to pay attention to things that bring you joy and light you up. If you are feeling a bit lost or stuck in your career or your relationships, or even in your just general day-to-day life, then you need to start paying attention to the things that bring you energy, happiness, and enjoyment. Tune into your self-awareness and your feelings in certain situations at work or at home, in certain conversations that you are having. And when you're engaging in something which makes you feel really good, it gives you that burst of energy, make a mental note of it. And once it's established, you can start to think creatively about how you could incorporate this into your life even more. For example, if you absolutely love interior design, and you're always looking at Pinterest boards and you, you know, love watching those um, renovation shows on TV, then you can acknowledge that interior design is something that you really love and something that brings you a lot of energy. So could you find an interior design course to complete this year? Could you volunteer at a charity which renovates or decorates places? Could you offer help to friends who are decorating their new place when they move in? Could you start an interior design blog on Instagram or a podcast? Could you offer to help out at a local interior design company to get some professional experience? Okay, there are so many ways that you could bring interior design into your life 
And that is one of the keys to living a fulfilled and meaningful life. So pay attention to the things that bring you joy and light you up and then get creative about how you can bring them into your life more on a regular basis. Okay, the next habit to introduce more often this year is to have new experiences and solo experiences all the blooming time, at least once every three months. I challenge you to do one new thing and one solo thing every quarter. Now, try every month if you can, okay? Having new experiences and doing things by yourself are both brilliant ways to get out of your comfort zone, to build your confidence, to build your self-awareness and to support your personal growth. If you want some ideas on how to spend more time on your own, check out my podcast episode titled How to Get Comfortable in Your Own Company. It is full of suggestions and inspirations to encourage you to do more things solo. When I started doing things by myself, like taking trips or going out for dinner, my confidence grew enormously. So there are two important habits to introduce, new experiences regularly and solo experiences regularly. Do this over the next 12 months and you will feel like a different person by the end of this year. Okay, my next hack to help build confidence, and this is a game changer, is something that I spoke about on my episode on confidence. It is one of the early ones, episode two, I believe. And the hack is simply this. When you are faced in a situation which is making you feel nervous and insecure, ask yourself, what would a confident person do in this situation? And through asking that question and switching your language, your thoughts and your behavior to something that a confident person would be doing, this is gonna make you tackle that situation in a much more confident way. And the more you show up confidently like this, the more confident you actually become because the only way to become confident is to practice being confident. Now, confidence is one of the most important and most attractive characteristics in humans. And this little habit of asking yourself the question, what would a confident person do in this situation is a really helpful way to develop it. All right, the next one is learning is the antidote to stuckness. If you are feeling stuck, I highly advise you start learning something that you are interested in. When we feel stuck, this is our signal that we've stopped growing, that we've become stagnant. And the way we grow is through learning. So think about what can you take on this year that involves you learning something new? Is it a side hustle, a passion project, a new hobby, or are you going to take a course or a program? Are you going to learn how to drive or how to apply makeup properly or how to bake or how to mix music, how to create Instagram reels or how to start a podcast? There are so many things that you could be learning. And if you want this year to be different to the last few years and you want to feel growth and accomplishment and challenge, then choose something or choose many things to learn this year. And I promise that you will feel different to how you do now in 12 months time. And this year will feel different to those last ones which have just left you feeling stuck. Okay, next I have some tips on productivity and motivation. And the first one is morning sunlight and delayed caffeine. Now, I first heard about these habits over a year ago on the Huberman Lab podcast. So Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist who teaches 
how our brain and body controls our perceptions, our behaviors, and our health. And two things he's taught on the podcast for having a more energized and motivated day are morning sunlight and delayed caffeine. I started implementing these when I first heard him talk about it and I can genuinely say that these two things have made a huge difference to my energy levels throughout the day. So for morning sunlight, you literally need to get natural sunlight into your eyes as soon as possible after waking. You look at the sun before you look at your phone. That's the general rule, okay? So you literally wake up and you go to your front door, you get outside and you get natural sunlight into your eyes for five to 10 minutes. You don't need to look at the sun directly, just being outside when the sun is out is powerful enough. And what this does is it gives you a spike in cortisol, which makes you feel more alert. Even if it's cloudy outside, you still get the same beneficial effect, but you probably just need to stay outside for a little longer. Huberman recommends like 15 to 20 minutes if it's an overcast day. And if it's dark in the morning when you wake up, then he says that you should turn on as many lights as possible in the house and try to get as much artificial light into your eyes as possible and then go outside as soon as the sun has come up. Delayed caffeine is also a trick from Mr. Huberman, who states that delaying caffeine by 90 minutes to two hours every morning helps us to maintain better energy throughout the day and stops us from feeling that afternoon slump that we often feel. Again, this is to do with hormones and it's based on the notion that not ingesting caffeine immediately allows our bodies to do its own thing and stop producing androsine and start producing cortisol without caffeine impacting them. So androsine is the hormone that makes us feel sleepy and cortisol is a hormone that makes us feel alert and caffeine can have an impact on both of their production. And so the idea is to let them run their course, let them do their own thing in the body naturally before you introduce caffeine to them. Now, I am not explaining this in a very good scientific way. Please go and find the articles and the episodes from Andrew Huberman on this. You will find them really helpful and he'll give a much better explanation as to what I'm doing now. But what I can say is that as soon as I heard these suggestions from him, I tried them and I haven't looked back since, okay? It really does ensure that my energy levels are stable throughout the day and I absolutely do not get that afternoon slump. I thought that delaying caffeine by 90 minutes every day was going to be a lot harder than it actually is. The first thing that I've done in my day for years and years was put the kettle on and have a cup of tea. But you actually get used to it really quickly and you can have a non-caffeinated drink instead if you need to. So sometimes in the winter or when it's, you know, just cold, I'll have hot water with lemon just so that I've got something to wrap my hands around, warm me up. So yeah, go and do some further research to learn a bit more about the science behind it. But I can absolutely say that this has been something that has really helped my productivity and focus throughout the day and I really urge you to give it a go as well. Okay, the next tip for productivity and motivation is temptation building and habit stacking. Temptation building is where you pair something that you want to do with something that you need to do. 
and you carry them out simultaneously. So it's a concept that's been introduced as a way to increase productivity and reduce procrastination because it increases the likelihood of us carrying out the tasks that we would usually procrastinate on because we are making them a lot more enjoyable. Where this has helped me in my life massively is with cleaning. So I really hate cleaning and I would always put it off. But now when I clean, I listen to my favorite podcasts and it makes the whole process of cleaning so much more enjoyable that now I don't dread it. I don't put it off. I look at it as I am listening to my podcast while I do the cleaning. And it's been a game changer, honestly. So think about the things that you love doing and think about the things that you don't love doing, but you have to do them anyway and see if you can pair any of them up so that they can be done simultaneously. I talk about this in more detail in my podcast episode released a few weeks ago, which was titled Five Simple Strategies to Reduce Procrastination and Increase Productivity. And I give some more examples on that episode as well. So if you're interested in that, go and check that episode out. Now, habit stacking is where you identify a habit that you already do each day and then you stack a second or new behavior on top of it, which increases the likelihood of that new behavior becoming a new daily habit. Again, I started doing this a couple of years ago after reading James Clear's Atomic Habits. And so a couple of examples I have in my life are when I brush my teeth, I always make the bed. Now I have an electric toothbrush, which makes this possible. I don't know if I would be able to do that if I didn't have an electric toothbrush. But yeah, every time in the morning when I brush my teeth, I go and make the bed, something that I don't even think about now. Another thing that I do when I am waiting for the kettle to boil, I either stack or unstack the dishwasher. Okay, so these things are just small, but they're really helpful for productivity because they are really just helping me use my time better and getting things done quicker. Now, I will link to the article in the show notes where James Clear goes into a bit more detail about habit stacking, and he offers some really helpful guidance and examples on that. So if you are interested, please check that out. It is in the show notes. Okay, we've made it to the last one, and this is my habit for improving relationships. And this is specifically for romantic relationships. It is something that me and my partner then started doing over a year ago. And I really think it has strengthened our relationship. So I wanted to share it with you. We've called it a debrief dinner. And it was inspired by a post on Instagram by somebody called Ben Mir. So the debrief dinner involves you going out with your partner at the end of each month. It doesn't have to be dinner. It could be coffee or lunch or brunch whatever. And you talk about three things. Okay. You talk about your personal reflection of the last month. You talk about your relationship reflection of the last month, and you talk about your personal goals for the next month. So looking at the personal reflection topic area, you can ask questions like, what were your challenges? What were you proud of? What's causing you stress? What lessons did you learn? And basically you and your partner answer both of those questions in a conversation to each other. Then with relationship reflection, a couple of questions for inspiration are what did we notice about each other that we loved? How could we improve on things going forward? And you can you know, add other questions in there. That's what we use and we find them really helpful. And then the last section is personal goals for the next month. And so you can both answer 
what do I want to achieve in the next four weeks? Okay, and so you can adapt those questions how you see fit, but that's the gist. And honestly, our debrief dinners are one of the highlights of our month, not just because we treat ourselves to a nice dinner together, but it's actually just a really lovely time to connect, have a good conversation, answer these questions and be given a space to open up and feel encouraged to talk about things that you might not typically feel comfortable talking about or bringing to the table in an everyday living scenario. So I wanted to share this with you as a suggestion to bring into your relationship this year if you are in one, because I really do think that it helps to promote openness and trust and honesty. And it really helps you and your partner understand and empathize with each other and get to know each other as well on a deeper level. And that's it. Those are my 12 helpful habits to make your 20s and 30s better. Some of you might love, some of you might hate. That's all good. We are all different. We all have different needs, different thoughts, experiences, approaches to things. But I really hope that there's at least two or three helpful hacks in there which you resonate with and that you are going to go ahead and give them a go right away. They've all made a huge difference to my life and I know that they will for you as well. Or at least I really hope they do. Thank you so much for listening once again. If you enjoyed this episode, please, please take a moment to leave a review where you're listening and share the podcast with your friends and on social media. This is such a helpful way in allowing me to reach more people in the world who are experiencing quarter life confusion. Okay, have an amazing day, whatever you are up to, and I will see you on next week's episode. Bye.